0: and welcome to Myth, Heresy, and Hearsay, Episode 9. After our last episode, I thought it might be a good idea to reintroduce myself. Who is this guy who says he doesn't like religion, and where does he really stand on the whole God thing? So a little history is in order here. Let me start by saying there are those who will tell you that over the centuries, the message of the Bible has been diluted. It is a logical assumption since over the centuries and all the translations to so many different languages, most of us played that kid's game where you tell the one next to you a phrase and he or she repeats that phrase to the next person and so on and so on. And yep, By the time that phrase gets back to you, it is nothing like what you originally said. So yeah, I get it. Something that has been passed down for so long should be diluted by the time it has gotten to us, right? Not so fast, my friends, to coin a phrase. Did you know there are codes written into the scripture? Some hidden and some right out in the open. When you notice them, you will say to yourself, has that always been there? That's right, there are microcodes and macrocodes and codes of equal lettering sequence, just to name a few. Many of these and other intriguing things right there for all to see if we know enough and we know where to look. How do I know this? Trust me. I am no Bible scholar. I was 35 before I actually read the Bible cover to cover. Oh, I had read the book of Genesis and a couple others. And when I got to the end of Genesis, I wanted to find out what happened next. The next book, Exodus, got started really well with the story of Moses and all that but I soon became embroiled in a sea of ritual. Sacrifice a dove on the third day of this and the goat on that day, what for? None of that made any sense to me and was a big reason I didn't get too much farther. I can get back to the codes but first a little Bible reading for dummies, me being the dummy. I first got the idea that I should read more of the Bible while watching the original Conan the Barbarian movie. Yes, that's right, Conan the Barbarian, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You see, Conan wanted to be a king. It made me think, isn't there a book in the Bible called Kings? It struck me that this book was probably as brutal as the movie I was watching. Hmm. Sounds interesting. So I got going on that book, but as soon as I did, I felt as though I had walked into a movie theater in the middle of the movie, and I just don't do that. So what happened before this? I should catch up. The book before this was Samuel, and the feeling that I had was pretty much the same. So I went back to the book before that, Judges. At this point, I thought, why don't I just go back to the first book and eventually I will get back to all the Conan stuff. Okay, but this was a bigger undertaking. It's probably a good idea for any educated person to at least once read the Bible cover to cover. Okay, but when do I do this? By your mid-30s, a person should at least know themselves well enough to know what they will do and what they won't do. And I knew I wouldn't go home after work and open up this book and start reading. It had always been in my house on the shelf. After work, I liked going home to relax, maybe TV or meeting some friends and having some brewskis and getting home in time to get enough sleep to get back to work the next day. I worked 8, 10, and 12-hour shifts. So when? Like I said, I knew myself. I realized I do have a half-an-hour lunch and two 10-minute breaks at work. But that wouldn't be enough to get any meaningful reading in, would it? The next thought I had was, well, it isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. Not sure where I got that thought. So with that, I endeavored to begin this journey. Fascinating as it was, I still ran into the same constraints I had before. That being the ritual stuff I couldn't understand, not to mention the these and the thous. I was surprised at how much of the text I got through in the little time that I had set out for myself. I decided what I couldn't yet comprehend, I would skim over until I could get back to what I considered the narrative. And on my second journey through time, I would pay more attention to those things. But for now, just read. So, in the beginning, God created heaven and the earth, no problem there, blah, 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 okay, we're rolling. I managed to get to Genesis 6, and this strange story about sons of God mating with the daughters of man. Strange, but I had to keep going for the narrative. That's what most people do with this story. It's too strange to make anything of it. And there is no wonder why this is, because of the chapter before that, that being chapter five for those keeping score, was the longest and most incomprehensible genealogy I had ever had to skim through. I mean, so-and-so begat so-and-so, and and then so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so on and so on. What does begat even mean, anyway? So anxious to get back to the narrative, I pushed through and passed one of the stranger parts of the Bible, that being Genesis 6. Someone recently told me that in the Bible, if it's strange, it's important. But hold that thought back to Genesis 5. I later found that is one of those codes that I had mentioned. It seems that the ancient peoples named their children often to what was going on at the time if they were traveling and came to a well that had particularly good water uh, when the baby was being born they might name the baby sweet water or whatever the Hebrew equivalent of that word would be the same if the well had been bitter or if there were good times or bad times, the child often bared the name of the things that were going on. So each name actually had a meaning. Our names do as well, but we have lost the meaning to most of them and don't think of what they actually mean. But the ancients did. Would you believe it if I told you that hidden in the genealogy in Genesis 5, was the first prophecy of God's plan for salvation of mankind. I can get into the specifics if you like, but cutting to the chase, there are 10 names in the genealogy, and it reads as follows, with Adam to Noah. Man was pointed mortal sorrow but the blessed God came down teaching that his death will bring peace the last name being Noah's which uh, does mean peace now keep in mind that the rabbis who copied this text did not believe in this guy Jesus and would in no way have conspired to make it read that way, especially since Jesus had not happened at the time of this writing. These types of things could easily be dismissed if there weren't so many of these types of things going on throughout the scripture. And I mean all throughout the scripture. And I'll be glad to get into that later. Here's the point. If the Bible had been diluted as many of us assumed, these codes would not have survived through the ages. Also, we now know that these codes work in Hebrew, Greek, and English, as well as many other languages. It occurs to me that if the main way for this God, if He does exist, to communicate with man is through this medium, He would ensure that the message will always be there for all generations. That is, if you believe this God were able to do this. On a final note, after examining the text of those so-called lost sea scrolls, they found the book of Isaiah, and when comparing it next to the Bible that you and I have on our bookshelf, the book of Isaiah they found eight letters that were different. Yes, eight letters in the whole scroll of the book of Isaiah. None of these letters changed a word or the meaning of the words in the Bible that we have today. The lost scrolls are two to 3,000 years old. How's that for integrity of the word? Just something to think about. File it away. You don't have to swallow the whole pill at once. And thank you for listening.